Happy Tuesday, everyone. Welcome into a Tuesday night edition, or by the time this will be posted, it might be a Wednesday morning edition of the Final Whistle Sports Podcast. It's your host, Blaine Spencer. I've got a real treat for you guys. I've got another guest. I've got Adam Lewis from the What Offseason Sports Pod. I've had the pleasure of being on a couple of Adam's shows, so now it's kind of my turn to return the favor. It took me long enough to return the favor. Adam, how are you doing? Thanks for joining me. Man, I'm doing great. Thank you so much. I'm really looking forward to the mock draft. Actually, my first one of the year that I've actually sat down and dug through. So like I said, I got a player in there that some people aren't going to be too happy about making it. But either way, it's going to be a great episode, man. Thank you for uh, inviting me on today. My pleasure. And as Adam mentioned, that's what we're going to start with. We're going to do a little bit of mock draft talk again. We're going to do it the same way we did it last week. We're going to go through 16 picks. A little bit different than how uh, we did with Justin. It's not going to be a combo mock. We each have our own separate mock. And we're going to be diving into different picks. Trades are included in this mock. Last week, trades were not included. We we're just going to get, go based off of what picks were. Then we're right. going to also talk about Jadavian Clowney going to Cleveland. After now, he's taken less money than what he got a year ago from Cleveland if he ended up doing that. And then we'll talk about some free agents that are still on the board that we're kind of surprised by. So it's going to be a great episode. So we're going to dive right into the mock draft. How this is going to work. Uh, Adam, you're going to have the pleasure of going first. We're going to go back and forth with each pick. So you give your number one. I'll give my number one, vice versa. We'll talk about each pick, especially if we have a pick that's different and see how that would have affected our boards in different ways. I think it's going to be a unique way to see how how everyone kind of just has that little brain fart when they're the next pick and you're like, ah, that would have been my top guy on my next board. So be a little bit unique. So Adam... Without further ado, I think we probably have the (laughs) unanimous number one pick, but you are on the clock with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Give it to me. Yeah, man, absolutely. So, you know, I'm taking Trevor Lawrence, number one overall. Um, Some people are talking about maybe the best college quarterback of all time, you know, the best prospect we've seen ever, you know, since Andrew Luck. The the guy can do it all. He can go through his reads well. He's got the strong arm. He's committed. He's a very strong thrower. But we did have some of those comments come out and talking about, you know, if I walked away from football – would it, nece- you know, would it necessarily kill me? I'm not a goal-driven guy. I don't play with a chip on my shoulder. And I was a little bit of a double-edged sword, I feel like. But overall, Trevor Lawrence is absolutely going to be the number one overall pick. And I think he's going to do big things in his rookie year. I agree. I think Trevor Lawrence is an absolute lock here. It's not really out of the question. But more than anything, I think you've seen him already connect with the Jacksonville community this past weekend with all the Jaguars uh, fans donating to his charities with, yep. with him and his uh, – his wife now, and then there he's going to be giving back to Jacksonville and their, some of their charities. So they've they've already a match made out of heaven, and it's already working well before he even gets fully selected. That's going to be inevitable next week. Right. All right, the New York Jets. Who do we got, Adam? Man, so everybody's been talking about, of course, Zach Wilson has been a lock to number two at the New York Jets. But if I had it my way, if the Jets are actually smart this draft, which they more than likely won't be, they should take Justin Fields second overall. He is the second best quarterback in this draft, the best athlete in this draft. The guy's got great eyes. He can throw the any football really out there, man. Of course, he's the dual threat option, very strong runner. And the whole thing about questioning his work ethic, that was a huge rumor. We've went from Justin Fields maybe dropping as low as 10 to 12. Now he's, oh, now the Niners are going to going to be open to taking him because there's no smoke and mirrors with this guy. He is the second best quarterback in the draft and the New York Jets take him at number two. Wow. I love it. I love the creativity already. I am actually going to stick with Zach Wilson because I have Justin Fields going to a better situation, I think, than the New York Jets. Um, But I think Wilson has been the presumptive pick. And I think the real thing is that with Wilson, you see glimpses of greatness. He's really good. When the play breaks down and he's his arm talent is off the chain, I think he's got probably has the second best arm in this class right behind Justin Fields, in my opinion. I have him as my number three quarterback, but I am going to take Wilson to the New York Jets. And it really doesn't matter because I think the Jets are going to really still stink for the next five years anyway, even with Wilson at quarterback, just because the right. Jets are so bad all over. So, all right. Now we're down to number three, the San Francisco 49ers. All right, so Justin Fields is off the board. Are we going with Mac Jones then? 
No, man. So number three for the San Francisco 49ers, as much as I want to go Mac Jones, there's a special place for him in this draft and he will be coming soon. It is going to be Zach Wilson, number three to the San Francisco 49ers. And I'm not extremely high on Zach Wilson in this draft, but I know he's got on the tape that immediately makes you buy into him. And I want more out of his decision-making and really with his eye movement and the deep ball strength kind of concerns me, the accuracy once he has to throw on the run, maybe, you know, 35, 45, 50 yards down the field, if he's called to do that, um, there's no question that this kid can be extremely special. And some people say he might be the best quarterback in this draft. If we're talking about raw talent, I don't think that's true, but I do have the Niners taking Zach Wilson, number three, overall taking him to the Bay. Wow. I like it. I like it. So this is where we just did a basic flip flop here. I do have the San Francisco 49ers taking Justin Fields. I think just because this is the comparison that I've drawn to. If Kyle Shanahan, he worked under his dad in Washington when they drafted RG3. If you have just Justin Fields has more better durability, better arm strength, and I think he's just as fast as Robert Griffin III when he was coming out. You can get so creative, Kyle Shanahan, if you take him. The Absolutely. opportunities are endless with the amount of creativity that this offense can really have. And right, San Francisco what is really a contender again because basically they're just getting healthy. They, they have no not healthy last year. <laughs> yeah, they had now you bring everyone back, you add in Justin Fields, you can play him right away. You you if you want, you play Jimmy G. You can sit him. There's a, a multitude of options you have here. You go, could potentially go to that two-quarterback system that worked in San Francisco when you had Kaepernick and Smith. Yep. It's really intriguing the how many options that you can have if you take Justin Fields. He's my number two quarterback as well in this class, and I think he's a perfect fit for what San Francisco and how Kyle Shanahan really thinks with this, how he wants this offense to really be, and I think it's a no-brainer that Justin Fields should go there. I am totally not sold on Mac Jones going to San Francisco. Are you? No, I'm not, man. I don't think you move the house and basically ask for a King's ransom or send a King's ransom off to go get Mac Jones. I'm not saying Mac Jones is a bad quarterback. I have him a lot higher on my board than most people do because I do think coming into this draft, he is the smartest and the most knowledgeable quarterback of the game. I do feel like he is NFL ready. Yes, the kid was throwing to Alabama guys and handing it off to Najee Harris and this, that, and the third behind an all-pro offensive line, but he was still in the SEC, still played as well as he had to, and he still put up the numbers, and you see it now, Jalen Hurts and Tua both taken as Alabama quarterbacks. It looks like they're going to get their chance this year. And there was always a narrative of, oh, do these Alabama quarterbacks really translate well to the league? We've got two going. We might have a third one going within the top seven or eight of this draft. So it seems like that narrative is getting busted. Not sold on him at the number three pick, but Mac Jones is a viable option. Yeah, for sure. All right. So now we're at number four. The Atlanta Falcons are on the clock. I, this is really where the draft really begins. This is, is where the Falcons hold the Falcons hold the keys to the NFL draft with this pick. I think this is the most pivotal pick of the draft. This affects so many boards. However, oh, it goes. It, if they trade it, if they don't trade it, who they go with, if they stay, how far yep. back do they trade back? I think it's going to be really intriguing. So Adam, you're up first. What are the Falcons doing? Yes, sir. So as the Falcons are on the clock with 45 seconds left, the New England Patriots give them a call. They say, we want to trade up. We will give you our first and second pick this year, a first next year. And just to make it even sweeter to where you can't say no, we've heard the rumors about Gilly, Stephon Gilmore getting out of New England. What in the world do the Falcons need more than anything? A cornerback. They will take that deal. They will take two first, an elite corner, and a second for this year as well. They'll give it up. Here comes New England up to four. Now Bill Belichick is in the seat, and they're going to take a replica of what they got in New England right now. Trey Lance at number four. You're looking at an unpolished Josh Allen, an unpolished Cam Newton, a guy who has quick speed, a guy who runs very strong with his head up, who can put the shoulder down, who can make the deep throws, who can snap the hips. He's got all the potential, and you can argue for him as well to potentially be the most raw quarterback in this draft, but he's also a project at the end of the day, and I don't think Terry Fontenot and the Falcons knew coming in, they weren't going to get Justin Fields, they weren't going to get Zach Wilson, I don't think they're looking at Mac Jones, and picking a project quarterback at number four, Terry Fontenot didn't come over for that, that's why the Falcons are falling back, getting a haul for it, and they're going to love their pick at 15. New England Patriots popped up to number four, they're taking North Dakota State quarterback Trey Lance to sit behind Cam Newton, because he's literally a replica. I see a lot of similarities between Lance and Newton. Here go the Patriots and Bill Belichick's lighting it up on draft night. Wow. So 
I don't have that. That's for <laughs> sure. I do have Trey Lance going number four, and it's the Denver Broncos that are trading up for him okay. from the ninth overall pick. They're going to give him. They're going to give Atlanta the ninth, their second round, and then their first next year. Okay. And I think that's going to be enough to move Atlanta back to nine because Atlanta really needs defense, as you mentioned. And that's yep. where you can really start making a choice to go defense. It's exactly. falling back to that eighth or ninth pick. So, again, as you mentioned, love Trey Lance is a raw ability. The only real pushback that I give Trey Lance is that I haven't seen you play right. in two years by the time you will be in training camp or playing a potential preseason if that ends up taking place. Absolutely. I will see you play one game, and in that one game, it was supposed to be a showcase game that they put together for you because they know (laughs) you are the only player that's going to be going in the first round of this draft. Exactly. And then you laid an egg. You really did. If you really Mm -hmm. watched the full tape, he was awful for three quarters. Then he had a great fourth quarter. So you really, he really laid an egg for three out of the four quarters in that game, led them in a comeback over Central Arkansas. Yep. What I see, Josh Allen. That's what I see. I there see the go. comparison. He, all the raw talent can make that throw that you are just jaw dropping. You don't exactly. understand why it's happening. He can make those see, next level. You don't throws. even see the throw that he's trying to make and he, that he just ended up making. Right. So he's got, he's got all that potential. He's a project which I think John Elway will be okay with because you have Drew Locke there still under his rookie deal as from a second round pick. You have Drew Locke for another year or two. If you really want to stick with him, use him for a year or half of this year, depending on how well you're playing. Then you put Trey Lance in, you see what you have. You really unleash the potential because they have some pieces around that offense that can really fly around the field. You have Jerry Judy, probably the, one of the best route runners in the league already as coming yep. going into his second year. KJ Hamler is a great position player out of the slot. Noah Fant at the tight end position, elite speed as a tight end. You have also Melvin Gordon at the running back position. You have the ten- potential around him to have this work in Denver. And for the Broncos, you need a quarterback if you're going against Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert, especially. And then you even add in Derek Carr who had one of his best years as a NFL quarterback. Yep. So I think Denver's the option here. They're moving up to take Atlanta. I really like the New England move as well, but I have Atlanta trading back to nine and Denver's going four. See, I feel like Atlanta's definitely going to want more than just a one. And Because what did you say? I said a two one. Two ones and then a two? Two ones, a two, two, ones and two twos. Okay, okay yeah. That, mm, yeah, yeah, or it's, maybe, it's yeah. fair. It's definitely fair. Um, yeah, I just think with the Patriots, man, because I think them offering up Gilly, because I think draft night would be the perfect time to offer up Stefan Gilmore because he's still an elite guy. Like this was just our defensive player of the year season before last, like just before Aaron Donald won it, you know, Stefan Gilmore was easily the best corner in the NFL that year. So I think the Gilmore piece would really trigger Atlanta to, they would be willing to fall back to 15, getting two firsts, a second and Gilmore and understanding that they are perfectly primed to take another great defensive player at 15 if they want to. Absolutely. All right. Let's move on to the Bengals. Our first, we had all, we had all of the four same players, just not the same destinations for all of those four players. All right. The Bengals. Let's see if we're on the same page here. Yeah, man, absolutely. So after four straight quarterbacks come off the board for the first time in NFL history, as much as people want the Cincinnati Bengals taking Jamar Jamar Chase, excuse me, from LSU, reuniting him with his guy, Joe Burrow, they need to protect that man, Joe Burrow, that they just took number one overall. Give me Panay Sewell at the number five spot out of Oregon. Uh, give, Give him to me on the offensive line, absolutely, for the Cincinnati Bengals. They need somebody to protect Joe Burrow. And when you see that injury that happened last year, it wasn't as bad as it looked, but already in his rookie year, not getting him protection. This is a guy that's primed to be a top 10 quarterback. This is a guy that could seriously be a much more athletic Matt Ryan. He has the smarts, he has the accuracy, and he can move at the end of the day. You need to protect Joe Burrow. I think they have enough offense at the moment. You know, you've still got Joe Mixon. Obviously you've got a couple receivers out there. Don't take the nicest, shiniest toy in the draft. Preserve the shiny toy that you already got last year. Number one overall, give me Panay Sewell at number five, man. I 100% agree here. I think it's a, pretty much a no-brainer. I know Bengals fans really want, especially with the new unis that came out yesterday. Right. They really want 
Jamar Chase to reunite with Joe Burrow, but you have to protect him, protect that blind side. He was one of the most hit quarterbacks in the league before he got injured. So you really need to ensure his longevity for the next 10 years if you really want to be a true contender in the AFC North. And you know you can if he's got the ability if he stays healthy. So Penny Sewell here. All right, number six, the Miami Dolphins. Where are we going, Adam? Yeah, man. So as the Dolphins are on the clock, they will get a call from the Denver Broncos and say, hey, let's go ahead and switch it up. Dolphins will fall back to nine. Broncos jump up to number six. They will also get the 71st pick and their second rounder of next year over to Miami to take this spot. And they're going to take Mac Jones at number six overall quarterback out of Alabama over to Denver. Like I said, this is a guy that is extremely smart in the draft. I think he's the most knowledgeable quarterback in the draft. He is definitely NFL ready when you look at his mechanics, when you look at what he brings to the table. And he's a leader. He is a true leader. And he could go in there as a young guy and get that team built around him. And I know it's not the prettiest situation in Denver, but how about Jerry Judy? We know about Jerry Judy. And they've also got, I believe Noah Fant is still over there at the tight end position. So there are some players in Denver. They've still got some of the defensive players, but there could be more to be desired. Denver's desperate though. And I almost wanted to bring Chicago up after they traded way back down, but I'm not really sure what Chicago is going to do yet because signing Andy Dalton, it's either a really good bluff or they're just really that stupid. I'll give a little more hope to the Denver Broncos. They're going to take Mac Jones at number six. So out of my top six picks, man, five of them are quarterbacks and one is the best offensive lineman in the draft. Wow. I mean, I love it. I think as a, my buddy, he's a, one of my buddies who listens to the podcast, he's a diehard Chicago fan. Okay. And they, he is absolutely dumbfounded by the Andy Dalton move. Right. And he just he can't realize it. So hopefully when he listens later on, I'll have something he can listen to how listen to your t- hot take on it. But uh, for six, I think Miami's going to take calls. I don't think they're going to move because I think the second best. Well, he's actually my best player in my entire class. It is Kyle Pitts. Mm-hmm. He will be going number six. You add in with Tua. Yeah, I know Devonte Smith. You really want to see him go here as well. Right. But you have an absolute demon in the red zone with Kyle Pitts. He will score you touchdowns. He's got wide receiver speed. He's oh, got yeah. elite size. He's, I think he's got potentially the best hands in this draft. Yes, and I just definitely. I think it's just a no-brainer from Miami. You give Tua one more piece. Defense was not the issue under Brian Flores. Right. He knows how to coach defense. He knows how to create turnovers. Go get the best player available, and it's Kyle Pitts, and you guys are going to be some high-flying. You're going to be must-watch TV, that's for sure, in my Right. All right, the Detroit Lions are now on the clock, Adam. Yeah, man, absolutely. So Detroit Lions are going to stay put at number seven. Obviously, they did just get Jared Goff over from that trade. Kenny Galladay did get, excuse me, did get out of town. He is now with the New York Giants, and they need a weapon in there for Jared Goff. They need a true guy that Goff is going to feel comfortable throwing to immediately right out of the gates. Give me your number six pick at number seven. I'm putting Kyle Pitts from Florida, the best pass catcher potentially in this draft over in Detroit with Jared Goff because they need a weapon. They need a guy that's going to be big, that's going to be strong, that can be potentially a leader on that line at such a young age because of what he brings to the team already, the physicality, the athleticism, the speed, and overall Kyle Pitts will get used very well in that Lions offense because I feel like he would be a perfect replacement for Kenny Galladay. Put him on the line. Put him in the slot if you had to. I mean, he's got the speed to play multiple positions. Hell, get him on a jet sweep if you need to. Be creative with him. It might not be an ideal pick for Lions at number seven, but give me Kyle Pitts going there. I like it. If I didn't have Pitts going ahead of him, that's where I would have him as well. So because I do, it'll be Jamar Chase because I think just because of the same reasons you said, Galladay is now in New York. You need a piece for Jared Goff to really be successful if they're going to have any chance in the NFC North. So you got to go Jamar Chase here. Great route runner, great hands. I think people really give devalue him about how good he is in one-on-one, especially in jump ball situations. When it's down the field, he will go up and high point the football. I think it's going to be a great situation there. He's got elite speed. He's going to be great on crossing patterns, which Jared Goff, his favorite throw is that crossing pattern, as well as that out pass. Perfect situation for Jamar Chase. And with Jared Goff, they're going to be a great duo. Love Detroit going Jamar Chase. Now we have the Carolina Panthers. And basically from what we've heard this morning, Adam Schefter said they are shopping that pick heavily at the moment. 
Will it be moved, Adam? I don't think so, man. I'm going to have the Carolina Panthers stay and put as well at number eight. And they're going to need to get some protection for Sam Darnold. We saw in New York that this guy was running for his life and people were wanting to talk about potentially, you know, going to get Trey Lance or a quarterback because they want somebody who's mobile. People forget that Sam Darnold can actually move in the pocket. He can throw on the run. No, he's going to not going to make you every big time throw. He might not even make you every intermediate throw. But if you're looking for a lot of potential and athleticism, they just made the move for Sam Darnold and they are shopping the pick. So there's obviously interest there and they could get a King's ransom the night of the draft or just a little bit before, but I'm going to stick with the Panthers taking some protection for Sam Darnold. That is going to be Rashawn Slater coming out of Northwestern. This is a guy who's big, obviously being on the offensive line, but he's also physical. He can be a plug and play guy for you. He can move around on that line if he needs to, and he could be versatile, something that the Panthers need because they are struggling up front to protect their guys. You're going to have Christian McCaffrey coming back and you're going to want someone that can immediately anchor that comeback and help Sam Darnold get comfortable right off the snap. Give me my boy Adam Northwestern, that Rashawn Slater, number eight. Right on the money. That's what I'm going with as well. Carolina will not be moving. They will probably be making this pick with 20 seconds after the bell is sounded. Right. But um, uh, Rashawn Slater from Northwestern is the pick here. And again, as you mentioned it, it's versatility. He can play guard. He can play left tackle. He can play right tackle. He can play left guard. You just, there are so many ways that you can utilize him. And especially if you want to go a heavy package on the line, you can move him around to the outside, especially when you in the goal line situations with McCaffrey and you want to ensure McCaffrey's health because he is the Carolina Panthers. Like it's not nothing against DJ Moore or anything about that and Sam Darnold, but the Carolina Panthers live or die by how well Christian McCaffrey is playing. And he's the reason that they stay in games 95% out of the time. So absolutely a no brainer here. It's Rashawn Slater out of Northwestern. All right. We are now to the ninth pick. This is where the Denver Broncos would have been. We both don't have the Denver Broncos with the ninth pick. Adam, who are you? Again, you have Miami. Is that correct? That is right. Miami Dolphins fell back to the number nine pick. Who are they taking? Yes, sir. So they are going to want to get some help from Tua. And it seems like this is a similarity we're seeing in a lot of mocks because this is the last year for Tua, unfortunately, in the second year of the NFL. We know NFL stands for not for long. Brian Flores already making kind of silly decisions, pulling him in and out of games, killing his confidence as a rookie right off the bat when he was still taking number five overall. I'm, tell- I'm telling you now, and I've been saying it, and I'll preach it until I'm blue in the face. If Tua Tagovailoa does not deal with injuries, he would have been the number one overall pick, but still coming in at number five for the Miami Dolphins last year. And I hate that it's already going to be a prove-it deal for Tua because he came out 5-0 and as a starter. He showed that he can make you the intermediate, not the big throws, but the short to intermediate throws. Just a few of those a game when you're going to have a running back that can hopefully provide some spark for you. But we are going to go Jamar Chase here at number nine. Give him some similarity there. A guy that who is obviously physical, got great hands, like you said, can go up and high point the football. And he's going to be throwing to an SEC receiver. So you're going to have that same caliber that he was kind of around at Alabama. Yes, obviously it was LSU compared to the Tide, but we know that Jamar Chase is an all-pro receiver, an all-American receiver, and he's going to do big things in the NFL. Go ahead and give him to Tua, and after giving Tua all these weapons, if you seriously can't muster anything else, then it might be time for him to go. Love Tua in this draft. He's a left-handed freak. We'll see what happens with him. Yeah, I agree with how it's a make-it-or-break-it year for Tua. I think that's why Miami will go with an offensive weapon just because they need to, they need to know just because yep. it's been a lot of yin and yang. You see the glimpses, but then you see the, a couple of plays that it's just like bonehead, like what is happening at late in games. Um, but here I have the Atlanta Falcons from the Denver trade. They traded yep. back to nine. This is where I said, this is where you can start going defense Atlanta. You had Stefan Gilmer being traded there. So, but instead they're going to take the best corner in this draft in Patrick Sertain. He can line up all over the field playing the both sides. He can play the slot as well as being able to – he will mirror your number one wide receiver wherever they are going. He can play on both sides of the field as well as the slot. I think it's a no-brainer here. And he absolutely shut down the top receivers in those games against Notre Dame and against Ohio State. 
you had no idea that they were even on the field. That's how ba- good Patrick Sertain was. Like oh, in yeah. the Ohio State game, Justin Fields didn't even bother to throw it to that side of the field wherever he was mm-hmm. on every throw attempt. So I think it's a no-brainer for Atlanta. Patrick Sertain is the number nine overall pick out of Alabama. All right. The Dallas Cowboys are on the clock. What is Jerry World going with? Yeah, man. So this was a difficult one because I was, I was bouncing back, excuse me, back and forth between two corners here. But we have heard a lot about Patrick Sertan the second going to the Cowboys at number 10. And that is where I'm going here. You look at his father in the NFL, how successful he was. He was one of my favorite corners to watch from the moment I started watching football back in 2005 with he, when he was playing with the Miami Dolphins. Now you see his son in the SEC coming out of Alabama, potentially being the best corner in this draft. You got J.C. Horn and Caleb Farley, you know, sniffing up the rear as well. But when you look at um, Patrick Sertan and how well he played in the SEC and bringing that spark into Dallas, they extremely need that. Yeah, it's going to be a rookie corner, but this is a guy who can defend plenty of receivers. He can play in plenty of different ways. And this is a long, wiry guy who can play athletic. He'll make a play on the football and he will try to put his body out there on the line to make a play here for his team. And that is what Dallas needs right now, being the fifth, the fifth worst defense last year in points per game. And we know they were atrocious on the passing end. I mean, getting blasted by the Browns at one point in the season with 50 points, always having these high scoring games. You bring in Sertan. It is just one small piece of a big boo-boo, but hopefully he can help out there. I like it. Uh, that would have been my move if Atlanta doesn't trade back. But because Atlanta just took Sertan, it will be the other cornerback, J.C. Horn out of South Carolina, who is going to be going to the Dallas Cowboys. And my read on South uh, J.C. Horn, he has the best ball skills in this class out of these yep. top five cornerbacks that we have where you could go in any direction between these five guys. Um, but J.C. Horn has the best ball skills, elite speed. He will take your number one option as well. Just like Sertain, he can mirror the field. He can mirror you in the slot. He will take that best player on. And he's just a flat-out dude. He will go up and high point the ball like a receiver. It's really great to see that because cornerbacks sometimes struggle with their ball skills, and he's got elite ball skills and the best one in this class. Again, Dallas is atrocious everywhere on defense, but – you need to sure up that back end and ensure, especially when it's a passing league now, go with J.C. Horn. It's a no-brainer here. All right. We are now moving on to the G-Men, the New York Giants, as we go through our back-to-back-to-back picks of NFC East squads, unless yep. Adam trade has them trade out. But the <laughs> Giants are up next. Who do we have, Adam? Man, so at number 11 with the New York Giants being on the clock, these guys really need to get a pass rush. They need to get a good edge rusher in there. And I'm looking at the boy out of Miami, Jalen Phillips. This guy's an absolute baller. He's got great speed. He's very agile. And he can play in a couple different, excuse me, a couple different positions as well. He brings a lot of knowledge to the table. And overall, this is a top pass rusher coming out of this draft. And yes, we're not extremely loaded. We don't have a Bosa or a Donald or a Watt coming out of this draft. But we do show a guy that has plenty of speed with Miami. And he's very strong, knows how to work his moves, and overall shows you a lot of potential on the defensive line. Give me Jalen Phillips at number 11 out of Miami to provide a spark for New York on that defensive line because we know they definitely need it. He's very raw, too. Extremely. Very raw. Uh, I like it. I have actually Giants going defense as well, but I think they're going to sure up and have a guy that can go play linebacker as well as be an edge guy if they really needed to. So that is going Micah Parsons out of Penn State the clear best linebacker in this class. And it's not really close to the next guy who falls in next. I think it's the guy out of Iowa. who's not like a second or third round uh, grade, but Micah Parsons, he's got awesome speed. He's a physical freak four four speed, and he's able to cover the field and be, he will be able to take on your tight end. He can come off of the pass rush and he's that good of a player that will make a major difference for a giants defense that, was significantly improved under Jay Judge, especially in the latter half of the year. You pair him up with Leonard Williams and Jabril Peppers. You now have a lethal player at all three levels now for the Giants. Give me Micah Parsons with the number 11 pick. All right. We are now down to number 12, where the Philadelphia Eagles are on the clock. Adam, you're on the Eagles. What are the bird gang doing? 
Yeah, man. So the birds, you already know the Philadelphia Eagles at number 12, they're going to want to get a weapon in there because they did lose, they, excuse me, they did lose Deshaun Jackson and they did lose Nelson Aguilar and Jalen Hurts and is, is in the exact same situation as his Alabama brother quarterback who really shared jobs there for a second, saving each other's tails and vital points in the season into a tiger by Loa, really in the same situation for Jalen Hurts. And I think he's extremely underrated and he wasn't set up for success. So they're going to need to go get a guy out of Alabama by the name of Devontae Smith. Give him a little bit of similarity there because we know Jalen Hurts at Alabama was an absolute monster. And he had a little bit of time with Devontae Smith. And you look at Devontae Smith as well, being able to win the Heisman. And I know some people want Jalen Waddle up first, but there was a reason that Jalen Waddle fell lower in my draft. I don't trust the injury history that I've seen. I know it hasn't been major, but it did take away from his game and it gave Devontae Smith that light. I know Devontae Smith is a smaller receiver, but overall, he's one of the most athletic in this draft. He's got great hands and he'll make you pay. We saw what he did to plenty of corners in the SEC last year. I mean, the first half in the national championship game was absolutely insane. So give me Devontae Smith at number 12, the Heisman winner of this draft class going to the Philadelphia Eagles. All right. You already talked about Waddle, so that's who I went with. I have Jalen Waddle, the wide receiver out of Alabama here because of the elite speed that Philly, Philly just loves seeing speed all over the field. And if you lose to Sean Jackson, you plug him right in with Jalen Waddle. He's literally the mirror image. And yep. you can give him a bubble. You can give him a jet reverse. You can give him so many different options to get him the ball. If you punt return, kick return, he will help you in all phases of the game. So Jalen Waddle is why I'm going here. I Again, the injury concerns are there, but the foot is what I've been told is fully healed. And what I saw in, his, in some of his clips is that his speed is right back to where it was before the injury. So I'm going to put my kudos to the player and I'm going to put my trust in the player. In Philadelphia, they're a team that just loves speed, just like how the Vegas Raiders do. It's all about speed all over the field with these guys. So give me the fastest receiver in this draft in Jalen Waddle to the Eagles. What do you got? A little, 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 little disagreement. Oh no, man. I like it. I like it a lot. Jalen Waddle is definitely a fantastic receiver in this draft. And you mentioned the speed, man. So I think he's going to be a great fit with the Philadelphia Eagles. No question, man. I, I we'll see. Hopefully if we're right, we'll have Alabama will get it be, be going to Philadelphia either way. If we're right. So. <laughs> right. There we go. <laughs> All right, we have the Los Angeles Chargers are now on the clock. What are they doing for Justin Herbert? Or are they going some another direction? They got to do something for Justin Herbert, man, because they don't want him potentially in the same situation that Joe Burrow was in. And we know the offensive line with the Chargers is better than the Bengals. But, I mean, we're not necessarily talking about a major step up compared to the Cincinnati Bengals. And I think you look at the guy like Christian Derisaw coming out of Virginia Tech would make a great addition to that offensive line. Again, another guy that could come in who could be flexible, who plays very smart on the line and is going to give you that spark, who is going to be able to have that leader because when you have Justin Herbert – Coming into his second full year as a starter, he knows the expectations now, and that would just pump up his confidence that much more to know that a guy like Christian Derisaw, who's an extremely hard worker, would come in there and provide a very good spark on that offensive line for him. Interesting. Interesting. I like it. It's not bad. Not a bad idea. For me, I have on my board, the after Slater and Sewell, my tackles are a little bit, little bit lower on my board just because I just don't know what you're going to get out of like a Vera Tucker as well as uh, Darisaw out of Virginia Tech, they're right. very very raw. I just they're 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 a work in progress. Both of them, they both Vera Tucker would probably be a better play in my opinion because he can also play the inside. Vera Tucker's got that versatility, but because I have my tackles so much lower on my board, I think this is where the Chargers say, "All right, let's go get another toy for Herbert." And because Jalen Waddle's gone, but Devontae Smith is right there, you get you can put this Heisman Trophy winner right in with Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. Ooh. We'll just go have some fun, Justin Herbert. This is basically turned into a Madden game for you. Go throw the ball all over the yard and have a career year and make fill in SoFi Stadium with the Chargers are hopefully going to have fans again this year. So right. go fill some seats and score. 30 to 35 points a game. Devontae Smith, the Heisman Trophy winner. Go get him another toy. Go let Justin Herbert 
be truly successful now with those three elite wide receivers on the outside. Oh yeah, man. It would be an embarrassment of riches at that point. It would feel like it anyways at the wide receiver position. Oh, no doubt. All right. We are now to the 14th pick as we are starting to wind down our mock draft here. Uh, Minnesota Vikings are on the clock. What are they doing? Man, so the Minnesota Vikings, we thought we saw terrible pass rushes potentially with the Green Bay Packers at times, especially with the Tennessee Titans. Let's talk about how bad the Minnesota Vikings were. They were the second worst interior defensive grade in the NFL by pro football focus and the worst pressure rate in the NFL at just a measly 25%. They need to go get Aziz Ojal, oh, excuse me, Aziz Olajari, easy for me to say, right, out of Georgia. What a great edge that would be able to provide a spark for them because the Minnesota Vikings definitely need something. If we're not talking about him, we could be looking at Gregory Rousseau as well. Rousseau, however you say his name, I know it probably butchered that one as well. But out <laughs> of Miami, we know that he can be a huge spark on that line. And overall, they need a presence on that line because at one point, yes, they did have Yannick Ngakwe. They did have Daniil Hunter. They did have Everson Griffin. They did have Eric Kendricks. They did have, um, you know, uh, uh, Harrison, 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 Harrison Smith. So like they've had a lot of guys that can bring the heat. And if you bring in the boy out of Georgia and Olajari, or if you bring in Rossow out of Miami, that's going to be a spark that it feels like has been the culture there. In Minnesota, now they need to get that in, get a young cat in there who wants to do nothing but work hard like the two dudes I mentioned, and you can have a formula for success. Intriguing. So for me, New England, Bill's starting to lick his chops a little bit. He's like, all right, Mac's going to fall to me. And then the Chicago Bears get on the phone with their arch rival, Minnesota. So, you know, Minnesota's going to ask for a little bit more for that deal. So – Chicago gives their first round, their second round, as well as their first next year and potentially a fourth rounder next year. And they say, Minnesota will give you four picks to swap this one pick. Let us go get Mac Jones. It's time to figure it out and to reboot. And I know Andy Dalton's there. He can learn under Andy Dalton, but Andy Dalton's going to be a one-year thing. I think Nagy will probably be out. Right. So you'll have pretty much a new quarterback that hadn't played yet in Mac Jones. You can build around him in Chicago, start to figure it out again. As we mentioned, he's the smartest quarterback in this draft without question. I think he's got the highest football IQ here out of all the five quarterbacks that are going to be going in the first round. So I think Chicago picks up the phone, lives it up a little bit and says, all right, Minnesota, we'll give you what you want. We need this guy at quarterback because we don't want to lose one of these five quarterbacks because next year's class is not going to be as great as people think it is. So this is your last chance to really go get a dude. Chicago is going with Mac Jones out of Alabama. Chicago jumping up from 20 to 14 to take Mac Jones out of Alabama. I like it. That seems like a Chicago move. We're not ballsy enough to jump way, way up and give up a lot of cash. Because they don't want Trey to miss, Tr- they don't want to miss Trubisky-like situation. Exactly. They can't have it. They can't have <laughs> they it. The world them. will blow up if they jump from 20 to 4 and they take the wrong guy. Right. So. Fool me once. Shame on you. But fool me. Can't get fooled again. <laughs> I, so you, I think they'll, they'll, they'll hover back. They'll see what happens. And if, if like, New England doesn't move up, I know you Such have New England Chicago moving up. Move. Huh? That's such a Chicago Bears move. Yeah, 100%. So I I think it's just going to happen. They're just going to swoop in because I know Bill hates to trade up. Right. So he, like, I know everyone assumes that he's going to do it this year and finally, like, do it. But, like, I just just can't see it until it actually happens. Right. It's going to be, like, 45, 30 seconds left on the clock for the Falcons, and they're going to get the call from New England. I'm telling you. Because Atlanta's going to trade in the closing moments of their pick. That's when it's going to be worth the most because that's when it's going to be, okay, I'm on the clock. I could take Fields. I could take Lance. I could take Jones. Which one of you want to put your money where your mouth is and come get the pick out of my hands? It's up to you at that point. That's why I think Atlanta's going to hold until the closing moments of the number four pick. And then just play. All right, yep. you guys are bid war. Here we go. How exactly. I wouldn't be surprised if two teams are on the phone with Atlanta when their pick is on the clock. And I'm I agree. so serious. Yeah, for sure. But I have Mac Jones, Chicago making a Chicago-like move. 
The fans will be in uproar, but it's okay. I think Chicago's going to move up to 14, and Minnesota will drop down to 20. All right, the go. 15th pick. What do we got, Adam? I know New England's not there anymore, so who's yep. there? It's Atlanta, correct? It is. The Atlanta Falcons did jump back to the number 15 pick, and smartly so. They do have now Stephon Gilmore in their hands, the number 15 pick in their hands as well. Second rounder for this year and a first rounder for next year. Also, they need to continue to build on that defense. And I have been preaching a lot about an offensive line for Matt Ryan, but the fact that Matt Ryan is always sacked in the top eight times in the NFL ever since the Super Bowl year, this guy's been top 15 in QBR every year except one since the Super Bowl year. He's always up there in touchdown passes, completion percentage, yards. I mean, Matt Ryan is your – he is – almost your textbook quarterback, but he's better than that. He can win you games. He can have you, you know, get you comebacks. But unfortunately, the only caveat with Matt Ryan is everything has to be set up perfectly. Everything has to be in place for him. So I think you stay away from the offensive line for the moment because he's been able to produce. Let's address that defense. Give me J.C. Horn, number 15, the boy out of South Carolina. And I know it seems low on the board, but J.C. Horn is an absolute monster. And you look at some of his great performances he's had against SEC receivers. Jalen Waddle, one for one with 12 yards. You look at Jerry Judy, one for one with seven yards. Kyle Pitts, one for three for 20 yards. You've even got Justin Ross, two for four for 14 yards. So we know J.C. Horn is that dog. He is that guy that will come out day in and day out. Put me on the wide receiver one. Put me on the tight end one. Get me to cover a screen if you need to. Send me on a blitz. He's not going to be your blitzer, but he comes to the game dedicated, and he's shown time and time again he can lock down the wide receiver one, especially some of the elites in the SEC. He'll feel great here playing with a team that will undoubtedly need him. Look at A.J. Terrell on the other side. He's got a lot of potential, a lot of speed and commitment at that position. So you could have two young studs here that maybe Along pop off. with Gilmore. You'll have three number exactly. one corners basically now at exactly. on that back end. And look how fast Atlanta will have solved the cornerback problem that they've needed to for so long. Because in the NFC South, Jameis Winston's still going to want to throw that football. Tom Brady's not going anywhere. Sam Darnold likes to move it around the yard. And we still don't know if Carolina could still be wondering about quarterback at number eight. That there's still a mystery of this draft as well. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so now Bill hasn't traded. He just saw Mac Jones go ahead of him. He is now mumbling to himself with his little... (laughs) And he is like, all right, just give me a pass pressure. So he takes Quiddy Pay out of Michigan. He's got... Good pick. He can play the three technique or the five technique. Really like his versatility that he can play as a 4-3 or a 3-4 on the outside, which is unique for him as as uh, out of Michigan Uh, he's out of Don Brown's coveted Michigan defenses that have been usually pretty good until they get up to Ohio State so every year they're pretty locked down top 10 defense until they end up running into the Buckeyes unfortunately every year but Quiddy Pay he's got great speed great first step great hands he's got an excellent swim move that people don't really uh, give him credit for because he's more of a bull rusher but I really like Quiddy Pay here out of Michigan. Give your, someone, New England, another pass rusher, another tool to utilize for that v- defense that they're going to be trying to bring back with hopefully a bunch of people coming back after that COVID pause and how many opt-outs they had. Absolutely. All right, Adam. We are down to our final pick of our mock draft here as the Arizona Cardinals are on the clock. As badly as I wanted to be greedy and have my first running back come off the board, the Arizona Cardinals don't need to suffer from FOMO here. They've got James Conner. They've got another back with uh, who? J- J- excuse me, Chase Edmonds. They've got Chase, uh, James Conner. Let me get it out right. They've got James Conner and Chase Edmonds back there. Yes, they're not going to be guys. They're going to. Pro- they're not going to be guys that are going to provide major sparks. But they have both showed time and time again, especially James Conner, that he can step up in the place of Le'Veon Bell and give you an eight, nine hundred, maybe a thousand yard rushing season if you actually asked him for it. And there, it, there is a little bit of concern there with some injury history with James Conner. But overall, the tandem of him and Chase Edmonds feel good. So we're going to go with Caleb Farley at number 16. I'm having back-to-back corners to round out my 15th and 16th pick 
for the Arizona Cardinals because losing Patrick Peterson was huge. He was absolutely the stud, the corner over there for them. They need to bring in a replacement for him because that defense is still one of the top in the NFL when it comes to the secondary. We know about Isaiah Simmons. We know about Buda Baker. You put Caleb Farley in there, and it does concern me a little bit with a couple of the back surgeries that he's had to have, but when you bring him into that system, surround him with players that are going to be hard workers like him and an emerging team like Arizona is trying to be, feels like a great fit. And I know I mentioned Isaiah Simmons, who would be a fantastic teammate to just be in there and mentor him. Even if he does just have one year under his belt, it would extreme belt. It would extremely help Caleb Farley. I am sold. I'm on board. That's where I'm going as well. Especially you have to understand the NFC West has wide receivers all over with Cooper cup, Robert Woods, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf. More than anything, you just need to understand that. Caleb Farley probably has the best speed out of this cornerback class. And if he was healthy, if he didn't have that back injury kudo behind him, he would probably be the top corner in this class. I had him before the injuries, before he had, everything was accumulating for him, that he was probably the top cornerback ahead of Sertan, ahead of Horn. And now he's kind of slipped to that third cornerback. But I think he's going to be an absolute steal, an absolute fit for Arizona. Again, Patrick Peterson is no longer there. He's now with the Vikings. You really need someone to plug in that side that where Peterson isn't. So really agree with you here. I love Caleb Farley going to the Arizona Cardinals. That's it. That's the that's the mock draft. Adam, how, how do you think you did? You think you're going to be 100% on by draft night? Man, I don't know because as I was sitting here thinking today, I always used to crap on people for two and three and four and seven and eight and nine mock drafts. But honestly, it's like you do your mock drafts to really – it's just to get as creative as possible, like to see how many trades, how many situations could potentially happen because when you're obsessed with the NFL like you and I, you want to see how many possible situations you could have out there. So, God, dude, I feel like I might have six mock drafts out by Saturday morning. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> but with this one, I feel good. So it's definitely put me in the now of getting your mock draft ready, man. I can't believe the draft is next Thursday. It's going down. Yeah. Uh, crazy to think about that it's already real we're already pa well passing the super bowl and it's now draft time yeah but i think more than anything it was the creativity of sometimes these mock drafts now especially now with a lot of mocks allowing trades you can really start thinking outside the box of course usually you're normally beforehand mock drafts where like you're stuck with that pick you're taking players in those different situations like what i what we uh did last week where there were no trades. So we had Atlanta taking Kyle Pitts because right. Kyle Pitts is the best player available Atlanta because Atlanta really needs defense, but they weren't trading out other situations. Again, like there is no new England jumping all the way up. There's no Denver jumping up. It's just a unique situation to see how everything fluctuates, especially when you add in different scenarios in these mock drafts. Right. I agree with you, man. All right. So let's jump ship from the NFL draft now and look at some free agency stuff. Jadavian Clowney is now a Cleveland Brown signed a one-year deal, $10 million. Mm -hmm. That's the deal. Kind of unique now that he had, he took that Cleveland offered him a multi-year deal last year yep. around the 17 to $18 million range, but he decides to go to Tennessee. He does not have a great season there. And now he loses $8 million, potentially even more than that, depending on, the multi-year contract, how the numbers were actually given by the Browns. They were the team that was the most pursuant, and now they get Clowney a year later. What's the fit? How does Cleveland look? Do you think he fits in perfectly? Do you think they brings that defense to another level, or do you think it's not going to work? We got to remember, though, that Sheldon Richardson has left because of Clowney having to come in. Right. Yeah, so, you know, when you bring in Jadavian Clowney, he just feels like a really big what-if, like a really big insurance plan in case you do have those ballers that are on that defensive line go down because I think the Cleveland Browns right behind the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have one of the best front sevens in the NFL. Let's just be real and, talk, you know, call it how it is. You, but let's also keep it real at the same time and look at Jadavian Clowney, who has been a disappointment almost since he's been in the NFL because he comes in, number one overall pick, if I'm not mistaken, and is absolutely just trying 
ran to ball out from the jump. We saw the big hit at South Carolina, and we know who Jadavian Clowney can be, but it's been the hint, it's been the injury, it's been some of the disciplinary issues, it feels like at times. And you don't know if he's completely committed to the game of football. We know the dude can play, we know the dude has a lot of potential, but I feel like we hear a lot of broadcasters talk every day about potential, potential, potential. He can do this, he can do that. That's why I'm not a Matt Stafford guy because at the end of the day, he's an underachiever. I know the bad team he's been on. Look at Calvin Johnson, though, played for a garbage team his whole career and is easily a top five receiver of all time. So you can overcome your adversity, but you can't ask everybody to be special at the end of the day with Jadavian Clowney coming in. It could make them a lot better. I don't think it does. I don't even know if I'm dependent on Jadavian Clowney to get seven or eight sacks this year. But what this really shows me is that they wanted to bring some insurance in because now the Browns, after one season of being where they were, they are very confident now. They are thinking, okay, we can make a move. We could actually play our chips for an AFC championship like we potentially did last year. Like w- the Browns were in a good spot and they felt like they were going to be able to advance. You bring in a guy like Jadavian Clowney who could potentially take you to the next level. I'm not depending on it. Like I said, he feels like a big what if for the insurance. You got to look at Baker Mayfield also. This is the first season where he's actually done well. He's better without OBJ. I don't care what anybody says. Look at the numbers. I know OBJ is great. Guy was averaging like 1,400 yards and 12, 13 touchdowns at one point in his career. We were talking about him as an all-time great. And now we're watching him struggle with the injury history as well. So we're not sure what version of Baker Mayfield we're going to see. Unfortunately, I'm not banking on Baker to come into next season and play the whole season like he did once he got hot. I feel like we're going to see a little bit of a scale back. But Baker could prove everybody wrong and just have a year where he elevates. So we'll see what happens with this Cleveland Browns team. But they're a very confident team right now, and I think they're here to stay in the NFL. I agree. And if anything wasn't possible, they'd be in the AFC Championship if it wasn't for Chad Henney throwing the ball in fourth and inches. Right. <laughs> but, um, again, I agree with you here. I just You just don't know what you're going to get with Clowney. After that monster hit, you're just thinking jaw-dropping night in night out especially in that Michigan hit and in that outback bowl where he hits the guy five yards into the backfield knocks his helmet off get recover recovers the fumble all in one like two a two seconds just absolutely ridiculous and then drafted by Houston he had one great he had one season that was like all right you're gonna see something now JJ Watt ended up being hurt that season and yeah once they both came out they could never really gel together and then in seattle this seattle as well as in tennessee it looked like he was kind of taking plays off you could see a little bit of laziness and that lack of commitment that you were alluding to that you're just like is he fully there now into football after he was asking for 20 million a year no one was gonna pay him that Cleveland got close. You offered him 17 to 18. Made no sense why you passed it down. You go to Tennessee. You don't perform there. And again, as well, you're it hit, hinted with the injury bug. But again, Cleveland, legit. They're going to be a playoff contender now, year in and year out. It's going to be really intriguing to see what happens yep. with Odell Beckham, if he's going to be back midseason this year, if he's just going to take the whole year off. But are they going to move on from Odell? Because, again, there's been that accusation and intrigue that they were better when he wasn't on the field. You can see more better Baker Mayfield. Is the ego alpha alpha not working? Exactly. He doesn't have the pressure of throwing to an elite receiver because Baker's still a young guy who is who is heavily influenced. We saw the things that happened in his career. We know that he's got a little bit of antics. And when you bring in a guy like OBJ, who is also having a little bit of antics in his career, being outspoken with the little diva traits, he demanded the football and Baker Mayfield felt pressured having to always feed him the ball because he was this receiver that once he went down, Baker Mayfield on a stretch when he threw like 20 touchdowns and three interceptions at one point in the season. So Baker Mayfield can get locked in. It's just a matter of does he stay committed all season? Yeah, and I think Jarvis Landry, he's an alpha as well, but he's yep. more willing to sit back and understand his role. I think that OBJ, he needs to – he just it's like, it's my show. This is it. This is how it's going to work. Kevin Stefanski, Baker Mayfield, everyone else. Feed me the ball, and I will get you a couple highlight plays a game. We probably may end up losing, but I'll make I'll get mine. So does it really matter what's going to happen for the team? 
Exactly. He hasn't really embraced that team goal yet that I think he really needs to take a step back. And I hopefully this injury will do that and open his mind that, oh, I love the game of football. Right. But these guys can easily do it without me. They could have easily been in the AFC championship instead of Kansas City this year. And now he needs to understand, all right, I got to – let's make it a team situation here. I will understand that my numbers are going to be down. I understand that I'm coming off of an injury. We're going to have to take some precaution with everything. But I think the Browns are right there. They're going to be the true contender in the AFC North. I think it's them in Baltimore at the moment. I just I'm not sold on Pittsburgh anymore with how they've handled free agency as well as losing James Conner, bringing back Juju. I don't know if that was the best decision. And then Big Ben, he didn't renegotiate his contract, but this is most likely his final go around. You don't know what you're going to get out of Pittsburgh, but I think it's between for sure. It's Cleveland versus Baltimore here for the AFC North. Oh, yeah, man. It's going to be a great one out in the division, man. It's going to be a good one because, like I said, the Browns are very confident and and they're going to cause some hell in that division. They're going to cause a lot of unexpected hell in that division. And maybe even depending on the draft, they could just really be here to just throw curveballs at everybody. For sure. As we're on free agency, I want to give get, get your take on a couple of people that have not been picked up yet that you think should be and where do you think they potentially fit or if they just – that like they have the ability because I know there's three or four names that you're just like kind of like huh he's still available he hasn't been picked up yet yep Adam who do you have yeah man so number one for me is definitely going to be Richard Sherman I mean we're still talking about a cornerback in the NFL that can still hold down his position when he needs to we know he got exposed in the Super Bowl and played the worst game of his career allowing all the passes to come his way I mean just absolutely got torched in the Super Bowl but if we're talking about every other game outside of that we know who Richard Sherman is from being a trash talker to kind of being a silent guy now in the NFL but still holding down his position in San Francisco and now he's going to be back on the road again searching for a new team we saw the way Seattle did him kind of doing him dirty at the end, you know, pushing him off with the injury, but the NFL is a business not for long. And they had to get there as well. It was there. If we talk about Richard Sherman, looking for another team, you maybe look at the New York jets reuniting with Robert Sala and knowing that they had that continuity there in San Francisco in the super bowl year, a lot of energy over there. Robert Sala is really going to be igniting the jets. And then you bring in a veteran like Richard Sherman, who could really commandeer. He could feel like the whole captain of the defense at the corner position, even though he is well into his career because of how well respected he is his knowledge of the game and he is able to play under pressure when he needs to the most and I know it sounds like a homer pick but we didn't get to talk about my Saints at all man so you know I got to mention him if the Saints could somehow pull off Richard Sherman coming over there because we know Janoris Jenkins had to get out of town and Marshawn Lattimore hasn't really progressed anymore since he's been in the NFL like he hit a peak about two years ago especially in the Super Bowl year started getting talks about a top five maybe top three corner in this league but then you look at him for the first eight to nine games of last season and the guy was given up damn near 150 160 pass rating it felt like when people were throwing his way and you could check the numbers on that as well the saints don't need to take the cornerback two position lightly because you look at the receivers in the nfc south and if you can bring in a guy like richard sherman with the marcus williams that's still young at the safety position with the cj garner johnson as well that's still young and then i'm not sure if we still have patrick robinson but bringing in a veteran like him who's been in the league for so long and the saints have been a team that just really got good on defense. This past season was the best defense New Orleans Saints have ever had. Yes, even outside of the Super Bowl year, and they weren't able to get it done. You bring in a guy like Richard Sherman who could would just really add more value to the team more than anything, man. I like that pick a lot. Uh, I have a name that I think guy from Cleveland that has been let go, Olivier Vernon. He really resurrected his season last year uh, in Cleveland. I think He's not getting a, not enough love for his return to form. And I have two teams that I think could really pick him up. Minnesota, Minnesota Vikings, who really need an edge rusher, really right. need some type of spark, or the Seattle Seahawks. Those are two teams that desperately need help to find a way to even get in the a sniff of the quarterback, not a long touch him. They just need to be able to get within like five yards to even get even close to the quarterback's proximity. Just to say, oh, there's someone pot potentially there because Seattle and Minnesota were two of the worst teams of getting to the quarterback this past year. And Olivier yep. Vernon really resurrected his career last year in Cleveland. And 
I don't understand why he's still not off the board. I understand Clowney was brought in instead. He could, they said he might go back to Cleveland on a restructured deal, but Olivier Vernon is really a name that to be on the lookout for. All right, Adam, give me one more name out of the, on the free agent list that you really are intrigued that are still available. Yeah, man, it's got to be Antonio Brown. I know there's talks about him potentially getting back over there with, you know, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers on that Super Bowl winning squad. And he did provide just a little over 400 yards and four touchdowns before they went to the playoffs. But the man did score in the wild card and he did score in the Super Bowl. So he scored six extremely valuable times for you. And I remember the point when Antonio Brown came in and I said, really? the Bucks out of all people. It's got to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So now he is a free agent. And I'm going to bring up Seattle again. We know about DK Metcalf. We know about Tyler Lockett. But if you really want to get a receiving core that could hang with the likes of the Atlanta Falcons and obviously the, um, you know, you've even got the, uh, man, Man. <laughs> uh, the Dallas Cowboys as well. You know, they have an elite receiving core and then you bring it into Seattle as well. That can compete with those teams because we know Russell Wilson loves to cook, loves to sling the football. And if you give him a tried and true guy like Antonio Brown, it would extremely pay dividends for that offense. We also look at the new England Patriots as well. I know they've been doing a lot of picking and choosing Kendrick Bourne does have some years under his belt. We know about Nelson Aguilar also, but there's not a true veteran that's on that squad that could even potentially play the wide receiver one position. I think Antonio Brown can still be a one, a first choice in this league and Belichick would be the guy to do it. We saw him when he was over there. It yes was because of Brady, but Belichick obviously listened to Brady and he saw the talent that AB brought to the table. And lastly, we know the Baltimore Ravens always need a wide receiver or does Lamar Jackson just need to throw the football at some point. I could see him going over to Baltimore Baltimore providing a great spark and maybe even being there with Hollywood Brown as well. We know there's some, um, you know, some, some family relationship there. So some mentorship because we felt Hollywood Brown kind of fall off, you know, not necessarily using his hands to catch footballs and not being that explosive player that we saw when he first came into the draft. So if Antonio Brown could land with either Seattle, Baltimore or new England, I think his career would continue to evolve and he could definitely chase another championship. Agreed. And Seattle would definitely be able to keep Russell Wilson a little bit longer if you bring him in. So, and then for me, uh, I'm actually going to go from a former Seahawk as well. It's KJ Wright. He may be a a great one. He may be a short-term solution at the linebacker position, but he is a great cover linebacker and he is a tackling machine. He is from sideline to sideline. He he has a 110% motor. I think a couple, I'm going to go Homer here as well. Washington, my Washington football team, really need a linebacking crew to help uh, with Kevin Pierre-Lewis is the focal point there. He would be a there. great addition to start solidifying them for potentially the best front seven in football. Seriously. Yeah, I, I think it's a no-brainer for to add him in with Ron, Ribera, Ron Rivera's uh, high-end, high-potent front four as well with a solid secondary on the back end. Really our only – Mix up right now is in the linebacking crew. So you bring in KJ Wright, another opportunity. You send him to Indianapolis. You pair him up with Darius Leonard. That yep. would be a lethal one-two punch in the middle of your defense. Two that can fly all over the field. Be racking up tackles galore. If you must see. And then lastly, I think the final team. Again, I picked them taking a linebacker and Micah Parsons, but I think the New York Giants would be a great fit. Again. You have right. you would now have three players in all three tiers for the G-Man with Leonard Williams and Jabril Preppers, as well as even a James Bradbury on the outside that as a number one corner. I think those three teams, Washington, the G-Man, and the Indianapolis Colts, will be three ideal fits for KJ Wright. Love it, man. I totally agree with you. And I mean, between KJ Wright, A B and um, Richard Sherman being on the block that that's a lot of free agents out there that continue to provide sparks Olivier Vernon as well like you mentioned there's a lot of guys I mean Mitch Schwartz that's still out there Eric Fisher you know there's a lot of dudes out there that can yeah. still be put into systems and don't even have to be asked to be start but the great thing is is they still have that talent to be a day one starter in the NFL at the stage of their career absolutely I think some of it's been taken for granted like I think this might the edges are better like you have Melvin Ingram, Justin Houston, Kerrigan, yep. Vernon. Like that's almost that might be better than the actual draft class that's available right now, right. especially in some of the positions. It is know? a very weak defensive end uh, class, man. Very Definitely weak. A weak defensive very point, weak defensive for the NFL class. draft. But Adam, 
This has been a blast. I want to yeah, thank man. you for taking some time, my man, to come on Final Whistle Sports Podcast. Where can they check your content out? Yeah, man. Appreciate you so much for letting me plug my information here. So guys, you can find me anywhere, uh, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, any social media platform. I always tell people, if you can't find me, it's because you're not looking. I'm literally everywhere. Once you find me, click the link in my bio. It's every bit of content I'm putting out. I do another show on Wednesdays with Petty Sports, 8 p.m. Eastern time. You can check them out on YouTube. Thursdays, I go live with this Justin, or you guys can always hit me up to be on your podcast at What Offseason Sports Pod, be on your show, your YouTube channel, whatever you want it to be. We're always dropping content every day. Big NFL freak over here. So, you know, we got the draft coming up. If anybody's, if, excuse me, um, for the people that are watching this, if you want to join a live NFL draft show, I'm doing one with Petty Sports next Thursday, the night of the draft. If you're an actual fan, you can call into the show, excuse me, call into the show. Check the post on my page. Or if you're a fan of your team, you can actually virtually zoom in, be a guest on the show. We'll chop it with you while we're on the clock and then get your live reaction to your team taking the pick. It's out there for anybody. I know a lot of people are going to be watching the draft, having their own parties. But if you have nothing to do, be sure to stop by Petty Sports, man. It was a great time today. Appreciate you having me as always. Absolutely, man. Well, you guys, everyone, go follow, go subscribe, do what you got to do for to go follow my guy, Adam Lewis, with the What Off Season Sports Pod. Again, he's going to have a live draft show with Petty Sports next Thursday during round one of the NFL draft. It's yes, right sir. around the corner. We're here. It's draft season. Everyone, enjoy your Tuesday night, or if you're going to be listening to this, whenever you're going to be listening to it, enjoy your day. Enjoy the rest of your week. That was the Final Whistle Sports Podcast. You enjoy the rest of your day and the rest of your week. Good night, everybody. <laughs>